Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we're getting at least three more WrestleManias, a very eventful SmackDown, some things to go over on Raw. Dave LaGreca from SiriusXM's Busted Open joins us. And a lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Here he is. Welcome. Big episode 326. Happy Monday, everybody. Man, 326 episodes. Hope everybody's having a good one. We have a lot to do today. Dave LaGreca, who hosts Busted Open over on SiriusXM uh, every morning alongside Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer and Mark Henry. He's going to be on the show just to kind of break down the last year or so of wrestling, but really talk about what's going on now. I mean, just talk wrestling in general. We'll get into Starcade. We'll get into everything. But before we get there, the big news, of course, that broke over the weekend. This was a very hot topic in our Discord room. I love having the Discord room, by the way. If you want to be a part of the Not Sam Wrestling uh, Discord room, all you have to do is join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash Wrestling. Any tier will get you into the Discord room. Uh, and we got conversations going on literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week that are super fun. Lots of wrestling chatter going on in a very, uh, an awesome community that's built in there. Um, other stuff on the Patreon, you know, we do a, a bonus show every single week. Every tier also gets the bonus show. So every Thursday we do a show. This week we went over the uh, dusty tournaments that they have coming up and talked to NXT and a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, that's available on the Patreon. We do all the podcasts. If you want to see them on video in their entirety, you can watch me do them live. You can watch them later. Uh, we got exclusive merch up there. We we do Zoom meetings before every podcast. And, of course, what are we, uh, two weeks away from the Royal Rumble? So a week from Sunday, me and a bunch of the people from the Not Sam Wrestling Patreon page will be uh, in a Zoom room kind of uh, talking about the Royal Rumble an hour or so before the pay-per-view kicks off. So a lot going on over at patreon.com slash Wrestling. if you're not already a part of it. Um, lots to enjoy in a great community that's been built over there. But one of the things that, of course, got everybody talking was uh, that the National Football League, known in some circles as the NFL, they had a football game on <laughs> on NBC uh, on Saturday. And on the pre-show, they did like a half-hour pre-show. First break was like any other break. All of a sudden... The last commercial before the show comes back, Triple H shows up. And he goes, are you ready? I'm assuming he said that. I don't exactly remember what he said, but he says that a lot. But Triple H was there. And he was in a wrestling ring. And I said, I know this stuff. Wait a minute. What's this? And the big announcement was made. The future of WrestleMania. This has been something that a lot of people uh, have been talking about. You know, uh, when are fans going to be back in the building? What are they going to do? The whole world... WrestleMania, for the wrestling world, for those of us that, you know, obsessively watch wrestling, 
WrestleMania becomes this pillar of the world that we live in now. The 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 COVID, not pre or post COVID world, but the COVID world that we live in, just because of the way WrestleMania got complete, completely turned on its head uh, last year. You know, uh, up until a week before the show, we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. They were going to try to get people in. They were going to try to make it happen. Raymond James Stadium. You know, it was it was announced. That WrestleMania in 2020, WrestleMania 36, would be in Tampa, and WrestleMania 37 would be at the football stadium in Los Angeles. Um, and then that's when we got too big for one night, WrestleMania in the uh, Performance Center, which is going to go down in history for a lot of different reasons, for sure. But that's when everything got thrown into the air. And since then, it's like, what's been happening? And I can't tell you how many people have come up to me asking if I know anything. You think WrestleMania is still coming to Los Angeles this year? And I told them, I don't think so. I don't know. But based on the way other events have been handled in Los Angeles over the last year, I wouldn't think that that uh, WrestleMania will head over there. I just don't, I don't think that Los Angeles is the appropriate place for it just yet. Uh, but... The announcement has been made. It looks like, it, I would assume, unless some other announcement gets made, that WrestleMania this year, WrestleMania 37, WrestleMania 2021, uh, WrestleMania Pirate Swords will be, and that's a, that's a real pain. They already had a WrestleMania logo based on Pirates because of the stadium that they were in. And now they're going back to the stadium they were supposed to be in so they, but they couldn't use the same WrestleMania logo, so they had to create another pirate WrestleMania logo. But they did it, and it looks fantastic. It appears that this year, WrestleMania will be the first pay-per-view that the WWE, the first event WWE is doing that will have some fans in attendance. The first pay-per-view outside of the uh, Thunderdome, anyway. You know, I've, I've, I think they said that tickets would be going on sale. So the plan is to get fans into that building. I, I don't know what the capacity is going to be. I would imagine it will be a greatly, greatly diminished capacity. You know, I can't imagine, I can't imagine 20,000 people going into that stadium, which will be interesting. You know, the question then goes like, okay, well, how do you do a stadium? Like theoretically you could maybe put, I don't, I don't know Raymond James stadium, but that, so that's the big announcement that this year you'll have Raymond James stadium uh, host WrestleMania in Tampa, Florida. Next year, 2022, for WrestleMania 38, we're going back to Arlington, Texas, back to AT&T Stadium. WrestleMania 38 taking place in the same spot that WrestleMania 32 took place in, the big 100,000-seat Dallas Cowboys Stadium, uh, AT&T Stadium, which is beautiful. And then in 2023, WrestleMania 39 becomes WrestleMania Hollywood. And that is what happens in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. But let's talk about uh, this year first. Let's talk about 2021 first. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not in the live event business, but I would imagine it's going to be extremely complicated to pull this off. I think WWE is in a great position because the NFL has been having fans at football games because of how big those stadiums are. So it's like, okay, we've we've learned lessons from what the NFL has done with their stadiums, right? And the Super Bowl will have an audience, I would imagine. So it's like, okay, we pay attention to what the Super Bowl is doing. I think that uh, a lot of precautions are going to have to be made and a lot of plans are going to have to be made, and I'm sure that they will, uh, for how 
fans get in and out of the building. That that becomes a big issue whenever you have a stadium event. Like regardless of what's happening in the world, I remember being in Dallas and how difficult it was to get into that building and 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 just people coming in, that number of people coming into a building of any size and coming out of a building of any size at the same time cuz wrestling fans are not like some sports fans. Like wrestling fans show up for the beginning of the show, especially at WrestleMania, and leave at the end of the show. It's not scattered throughout. I had a couple of buddies, Jim Norton, one of them, who went to WrestleMania 29, twice in a lifetime, uh, at the at Giant Stadium. And they left before The Rock and John Cena went on. Like they left before the main event, and they said they couldn't believe the parking lot was was empty. It was just it was cars, but not one person was leaving at the same time as them because that's not the way wrestling fans are. So obviously precautions will have to be made on getting people in and out safely, and I'm sure that they will. All that I'm curious about is number one, what will it sound like? And I will I'd I'd imagine that hearing any audience will be different, but you know, and, and refreshing. But, you know, with an open-air stadium, uh, noise escapes. And clearly, when you have a diminished capacity, you can't just have the smaller group. Like, it's not like when you don't sell enough tickets and you just move everybody closer to the ring and then black out the other sections. Like, that would defeat the purpose of having less people there. So what you have to do is spread everybody out throughout the building. I would imagine that the, the crowd will be, like, there'll be a, a lot of, blacking out happening with the crowd. Like, not totally blacking out. Like you'll be able to see that there are fans there. and and and. But I, I don't think that you'll be able to vividly see, unless they do it pod style. And I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if the way they make the ringside area deluxe, you know, you already have to pay an arm and a leg to sit ringside. You get to take home your chair. I would imagine you'll still be able to do all that. I would not be surprised if the ringside area for WrestleMania 37 was uh, pods. Wouldn't be surprised at all if that was separated. And then that way you could still fill the space because you're separating everybody with plexiglass and because there's room in the pods, but you're still like, there's not dead space, right? Between the pods. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way that works. And then people get spread out throughout the the bleachers and the risers and that that gets more blacked out. So you don't see the empty spots, but either way, I think it's a good thing. You know, hopefully by then we'll have a lot of, I don't know what the number of people is that are coming in. I don't know. Hopefully, I'm sure we'll find out. Um, hopefully by then a lot more vaccines will be out there. You know, people are getting them slowly but surely. So I really hope that that happens. Um, the other interesting thing, number one, it was just really good news for me anyway. When this news came out, I was like, you know, hyperbole intended. But, oh, great, there's something to live for. We'll have WrestleManias for the next three years. It's nice to get some good news, right? It's very difficult in this day and age to look forward and know what you're going to get at all. You know, it seems like every other day something happens where you're like, oh, my God, what is going on? So it's nice to see that there'll be some level of normalcy, even if it's just our hobbies, even if it's just WrestleMania, that there'll be some level of normalcy every year for at least the next three years. We're going to get WrestleManias, and they're going to be in stadiums, and here's where they're going to be. Some people um, are not thrilled with the uh, repetition. They're not thrilled that Texas gets another one already, and this town hasn't gotten one. Nevada hasn't gotten one, stuff like that. You know, 
New York double dipped, um, or uh, New Orleans double dipped. Um, has Orlando double dipped? Yeah, well, Orlando's double dip was twenty four and thirty three. I feel like that's not double dipping. I feel like there's enough. I mean, nine years I don't think is double dipping at this point. There's only, I mean, if we're going to do stadiums every year. Um, but I don't know. I feel like everybody in Europe is probably hearing Americans annoyed at double dipping going like, well, we'd like one. We've had a, a pay-per-view in the history of England. We've had one pay-per-view and it's been SummerSlam. So one over here would be nice. So, you know, I mean, I, I think... It's a huge celebration whenever WrestleMania is going to be in your town, and it's a bummer whenever WrestleMania is not going to be in your town. Uh, I think something really interesting about this, though, is that at least for this year, WrestleMania continues to be too big for one night. This year, WrestleMania is Saturday, April 10th, and Sunday, April 11th. Also interesting to note that it's happening a week later. Next year, April 3rd, the year after that, April 2nd. So April 10th, the second week in April, you know, who knows, may, may have been a building issue. Maybe they couldn't get in on time. They got a bit, maybe it's going to take longer to build it out because of COVID. Who knows? Um, but April 10th and 11th, I think the headline there is not so much that it's happening a week after, but I mean, that's interesting, but it's that it's too big for one night once again. In looking at this, I was thinking about that a lot. Like, why? Is that not just the thing? And I'm thinking that the more I think about it, I really enjoyed sitting at home. That's the, I, I really liked WrestleMania being a two-day affair last year, Saturday and Sunday. As much as it sucked uh, that, that it was what it was coming from the Performance Center, it was really fun having a digestible, three-hour show that you could celebrate and then watch the next night. There was enough action. There were enough big headline matches to take up two nights. And you there, the fatigue didn't set in. If anything, you were excited coming off of Saturday. It was still early enough in the, in the, in the evening. It wasn't midnight. It wasn't 1 a.m. It's like 10, 10.30. And you're like, oh, that was so much fun. Let me, you know, let me get online and stream. Let me tweet with people. Let me call my buddy. Like, if you have friends hanging out at your house to watch WrestleMania, you can still sit there and talk to them. And then even on Sunday night, you can watch the last day of WrestleMania and not have to stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning on a work night. Like, it's fun. It's fun. And and having it spread over two days, it, they didn't feel like short shows because enough happens in each of those shows. And I feel like, too, you get enough shine on each of those shows. You know, when you've got a six-hour show, you're going to forget the stuff you saw in the beginning. Like stuff is going to, you, you're just going to get exhausted for some of it. And that's not going to happen uh, when you do it over two nights. So I thought it was really great. It ended up, the experience was really great. I, I've always enjoyed the two night Wrestle Kingdom, you know, waking up in the morning and, and watching it. So I, I think the two nights is the way to go. The thing about WrestleMania though, is it's a stadium show. You know, WrestleMania 20 was in Madison Square Garden. WrestleMania 10 was in Madison Square Garden. WrestleMania 1 was in Madison Square Garden. WrestleMania 30 was in the Superdome. We're done with doing WrestleManias in arenas. It's just, it's not what WrestleMania is anymore. WrestleMania is the WWE's stadium show. I mean, it's quite frankly going to be weird seeing the Royal Rumble 
back in. Unless they're going to, I would like to see them build out the Thunderdome for the Royal Rumble because they actually have, they are on a baseball field. Like the Royal Rumble over the last two years in a baseball stadium, I think has become a real nice staple for what the Royal Rumble is. I love the dugout entrance, the whole thing. Like the idea that that's the look for the Royal Rumble, that the Royal Rumble is a huge show and it happens in a baseball stadium. That's how you get prepped for the fact that next we're going to a football stadium for the biggest show of the year, WrestleMania. It's, it should never come out of a football stadium, I don't think. But the thing about a football stadium, like let's go to next year, right? Let's go to 2022. Let's go to Arlington, Texas. Let's go to AT&T Stadium. 100,000 people was the number that they told us was at WrestleMania. And every time they give a number, people are like, well, that's not the real number. But for argument's sake, let's just say 100,000 because that's the number they give out, right? 100,000 people are there to see WrestleMania 32. If WrestleMania is happening over the course of two nights, you got to sell 200,000 tickets now. Two? That's unfathomable. And even if they're lying about the number, you still, on a conservative level, because you want to sell out WrestleMania, right? Or come damn near close. You need to sell 150,000 tickets if you want to do a two-night WrestleMania. That's a lot of tickets to sell. And maybe it doesn't make business sense to do it over two nights if you can't sell 150,000 tickets. And it's not a shot at the WWE's business. Who can sell 150,000 tickets to a single event? It's really tough. Now, as WrestleMania has gotten bigger and bigger, I guess it becomes a little bit more feasible, but it's really, it's a difficult thing to wrap your head around. You know, I think that that they can maintain having it over two nights because at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, they're not going to fill the stadium on purpose. So let's say they get 20% in there. Let's say they get 10% in there, whatever they're going to do. Even over the course of two nights, I would imagine, I'll bet that over the course of two nights, they still don't have to sell as many tickets as they would for 50% of one night. So you can do two nights without worrying, oh, we're not going to sell enough tickets because you will, you will. And, you know, and it's going to be, a, it's going to be even a little bit more difficult, I think, this year to sell those tickets because you don't have the crowd traveling in, right? You won't have as many people, nearly as many people traveling in, but I do think that you will, you will sell the tickets that you need to sell for WrestleMania. I believe that that will happen this year. People will want to go. I'm going to go. Whether I'm work, I'll tell you right now, I'll put it on the record. Whether I am working at WrestleMania or not, I will be at WrestleMania. I've been at every WrestleMania since 29. The first WrestleMania I ever saw live was WrestleMania 20. Then I went to Orlando for 24. Then when they came back to New York for 29, I saw it live. And I've been to every WrestleMania since then. Some of them working, some of them not working. And I'll be damned. If you're not going to catch me at the first WWE event with fans back in attendance, I promise you I'll be there. Even if I have to buy a ticket and buy a, a plane ticket and the whole thing, I'll be there. I'm I'm going. So I would imagine there are a lot of fans like me that are like, yeah, I want to be there for the first show back. You know, and there and you could whether you're going to get tested, whether you're going to have other people get tested, whether you're going to go in with a mask, whether you're going to find a. a hazmat suit or whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do, you'll do it. 
because being there for the first time that WWE has fans back is going to be amazing. Some people won't, but I think there'll be enough people that do that it won't be an issue. The question is, when we move to 2022 and we get to WrestleMania 38, is that when you pull out the big guns? Is that when The Rock shows up to face Roman Reigns? And even so, you, like, even if The Rock versus Roman Reigns could sell 150,000 tickets, let's use 150,000 because you may need to sell more, right? But even if The Rock versus Roman Reigns could sell 150,000 tickets, are you going to tell people what night is what's happening what night? I guess you won't. So does that mean if I'm buying a ticket to WrestleMania because I want to see The Rock versus Ro and by the way, I'm going to both nights of WrestleMania. You better damn believe I'll be there for both nights. Even if I have to buy two tickets, both nights. I'm I'll see you there, Tampa. But you know, I mean, I guess most people will buy tickets for both nights of WrestleMania if they're going to WrestleMania, right? Like, because you don't know. you. I mean, you don't even know what the lineup is for WrestleMania when you buy tickets at all. Generally, right? A lot of times you have no idea what any of the matches are going to be. So you don't know. But even if you do find out, like, you know, let's say Daniel Bryan wins the Royal Rumble and you find out, okay, so it's probably Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns and that's the match I want to see. They're not going to announce in January what night that's on. They're not going to know. If they announce at all, it'll be the SmackDown. It'll be two days before WrestleMania or one day, depending on where, which, which day it is. If they announce at all, they'll announce right before. So if you are buying a ticket to WrestleMania to see more than just WrestleMania, if you are buying a ticket to see one specific match, you're going to have to buy two tickets. You're going to have to go to both nights unless that gets changed. That's just the way it is. Like that's Unless they say headlining the first night of WrestleMania is this. Headlining the second night of WrestleMania is that. And if they and let's say they do that. Let's say they start way in advance announcing what's going to happen on what night so you can buy tickets to the night that you want to go see. That means that they don't have to come up with one match that can sell 150,000 tickets. That means they have to come up with two matches that can each sell 75,000 tickets. They need to come up with Rock versus Roman Reigns that can sell out a stadium, and then they need to come up with another match that can sell out a stadium the night before. It's a challenge, you know? It's, it, you can't just take for granted that you can do two stadium shows like that, but, you know, I'd love to see WWE try. And since I'm such a WWE homer and a WWE fan, I would love to see WWE start making it an annual tradition where they sell out two stadiums over the course of two nights every single year. I think it'd be great, mainly because it might open up a budget when we get a season two of Not Sam Wrestling. Who knows? But, man, I got to start politicking already. I got to see if I can worm my way into WrestleMania. You know? We'll see. We'll see. I really enjoyed the, uh, the ridiculous uh, WrestleMania news report that they put out, too. It was a good way of... It's a lot of information to get out there, you know? that we're doing, here's the next three WrestleManias, here's the stadiums they're in, one's over two nights. Like, it's a lot of information to get out there. One, you know, what's happening now in WWE applies to the Raymond James one, but then the year after that, but like, it's a lot. It's a lot of information. So the fact that they made the, uh, they made a five-minute video with Hunter and Stephanie and in cheesy news anchor outfits and 
I love that Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns would not do the bit. Sasha Banks did the bit. John Cena popped up in it, which is a, a big look for WWE. Um, so I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was good. And, and I'm very excited for WrestleMania, man. I'm very, very excited for WrestleMania. Um, well, let's talk about, you know, maybe some of the stuff that could be heading our way to uh, uh, WrestleMania. Uh, possibly the stuff that we were seeing on on SmackDown and, and Raw and everything. Look, uh, SmackDown is a wild card, man. SmackDown is a wild card. I think two, three, three amazing things happened on SmackDown this week that, that I'm trying to figure out where this is going. Here is the thing, and I'll get into this with Dave LaGreca on the show later, but here's the thing with long-term storytelling. And I've talked about this as it pertains to Roman Reigns in the past. But these days, when wrestling fans talk about long-term storytelling, they use it as an excuse for when nothing happens and you go, oh, they're just doing long-term storytelling. Good long-term storytelling is something that you're not aware of in the beginning. You're not supposed to know that you're being told a long-term story at the beginning of the story. That would be like when you get a book and you start flipping through the pages to see when it ends, that's a bad book. That's because you want it to be over. When you get a book and you sit there and you don't even realize you just went through 600 pages, you're like, oh, I didn't even realize how long it was. That was crazy. I was so engaged. That's what we have with the Roman Reigns story. This has turned out to be a long-term story that in every single process and every single piece of this process, we have not known exactly where it's going. When we were talking about this only months ago, First of all, he comes back at SummerSlam. And we can't agree whether he's a babyface or a heel. I said he was a heel from the beginning, by the way, but we can't agree whether he's a babyface or a heel. Then Paul Heyman shows up and we go, oh, it must be like Brock, like Paul Heyman is, is puppet mastering Roman Reigns. Then we realize this is a completely different relationship and that Paul Heyman is a survivalist and he is clinging to Roman Reigns so that he may survive. And he's convincing Roman Reigns that he can get done whatever Roman Reigns needs. But he is not convincing Roman Reigns to get done whatever Paul Heyman needs. That's the difference. Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman are not friends. Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman are friends. Paul Heyman is the only person that Brock Lesnar trusts. Roman Reigns doesn't even like Paul Heyman. But Roman Reigns is business. And he understands that Paul Heyman can be useful to his business. So again, the story gets twisted. We hear throughout the fall about uh, the, the, the Samoan dynasty and the Anawai family. And it leads to a main event rivalry between Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. And there were people at the time, high-ranking wrestling analysts, that were poo-pooing. I heard them. The Roman Reigns Jay Uso matches because pfft, we know who's going to win those matches. It was never about who was going to win those matches. It was about what was happening in those matches to further the story. Because ultimately, that's what professional wrestling is about the stories. It's not about wins and losses in professional wrestling. It never will be, and it never was. It's always been about the story and the engagement and the emotional roller coaster that you go on. 
through the match, through the lead up to the match, through the come down after the match. And that's what was going on with Roman Reigns. And then Kevin Owens steps up. And in the rivalry between Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns, a little switch gets turned. And Roman Reigns reminds Kevin Owens that he's responsible for putting food on the plates of Kevin Owens' family members. Roman Reigns' thing was never, I am the most important person in the Anawai family because I'm such a big star. It was, I'm the most important person on the SmackDown roster because I'm such a big star. I make SmackDown better. You heard the stories of when Hogan was on top and there were two shows running live, uh, two groups of, of, of wrestlers, sometimes three running live events. There was the A group and the B group. And everybody wanted to be on the A group because those were the shows that Hogan was on. And if you were working a live event that Hulk Hogan was main eventing, you were going to have a sellout. More people were paying for tickets and your 5% of the gate was going to be much higher because Hogan was the one that was selling the tickets. This is who Roman Reigns is. And now all, and, and, and Roman, just taking a second to make that clarification that it wasn't just about Jay Uso. It's about Kevin Owens. It's about Shinsuke Nakamura. It's about Adam Pearce. It's about Daniel Bryan. It's about the fact that the SmackDown brand is what the SmackDown brand is because Roman Reigns is who Roman Reigns is. And it's been that way for some time and we haven't mentioned it, but it's time for everybody to just swallow that fact. And that's what's made this so compelling. Because it's true. Because Roman Reigns has been the biggest star in WWE for years. And when you watch a match like Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre at Survivor Series, when you watch a Roman Reigns match on a pay-per-view, it's on a different level. It's true. That's what makes this so compelling. And Roman Reigns shouldn't be likable. Roman Reigns should be a jerk. Roman Reigns, I've said for months, is the Michael Jordan of WWE in the sense that Michael Jordan, before those documentaries came out, everybody, everybody heard horror stories about what an awful person Michael Jordan was. Everybody heard stories of his teammates feeling abused. Everybody heard stories of Michael Jordan being selfish. Everybody heard stories of Michael Jordan being full of himself. Everybody heard stories of Michael Jordan holding his teammates to unrealistic expectations. But that's because Michael Jordan was aware that he was the NBA. Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time, was making it so that every player on the Chicago Bulls could live a different lifestyle. And in fact, every person in the NBA of that era made more money because they played on the same court as Michael Jordan. And that is the story of Roman Reigns. Everybody who's in a WWE ring is making more money because of Roman Reigns. And if you think that I'm out of my mind, if you think I'm just making stuff up as I go, why do you think Roman Reigns started wearing Jordans? You think I'm, I'm looking too much into this? I don't think so. Roman Reigns didn't wear Jordans. I'm a sneaker guy. Roman Reigns isn't just wearing Nikes. Roman Reigns is wearing iconic Jordan brand sneakers that Michael Jordan wore on the court. This week on SmackDown, he's wearing Jordan 4 breads. One of the most famous Jordan sneakers. 
when he was beating up Kevin Owens, he was wearing Jordan 1 Royals. You can't find a pair of Jordan 4 breads in sneaker stores right now. You haven't been able to find a pair of Jordan 1 Royals in sneaker stores since they were re-released years ago. There's a reason that he's doing it. These are all details. He could just be he could be wearing Asics. He could just be wearing athletic shoes to go with his track pants. But he's not. He's wearing Jordans that represent a time when Michael Jordan was the Roman Reigns of the NBA. I love what I'm seeing with Roman Reigns. I love detail. I love that the further you go into this, the further there is to go in. And I love that none of us, no matter how smart you are, no matter how many sources you have, none of us know where this is going. But all of us, because we've watched this since August, have full faith that it's going to be good because it's been good every step of the way. There hasn't been one misstep with Roman Reigns since August. So now we get to this place where before Survivor Series, it was all about Drew and Roman for me anyway. For some people, it was Rock and Roman. Nobody's talking about Drew and Roman anymore. Certainly nobody's talking about the Rock and Roman Reigns anymore. We're trying to figure out what does the landscape look like? Three weeks ago, when Daniel Bryan was the first person to declare himself in the Royal Rumble, of course, Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns is your WrestleMania match. And I still say that's your WrestleMania match. And I still say that it's career versus title because of the new kayfabe. Because Daniel Bryan has put it out there that he's retiring soon. It's too perfect. But at the same time, what have you done while Roman Reigns has been on top? What have you done just in the last three weeks? Big E, since this year alone, it is January 18th, 18 days into 2021. At the end of 2020, Big E finally becomes the Intercontinental Champion. And he is on another level. This is the singles push we were waiting for. This is Big E's singles push. And it is working to a T because Big E is on that level. Big E is so good. And I'll tell you how you know how good Big E is. The commentary that he was on during the Apollo Crews match. He was having a fun time. Apollo Crews versus Sami Zayn. He was making jokes. He's knuckle deep, Graves. He's knuckle deep. Hilarious. Apollo Crews comes over, good-naturedly, all in good fun. But he picks up the Intercontinental title, and there's something very threatening about the way he does it. And all of a sudden, Big E snaps out of he's joking around, and he becomes threatening. But he doesn't become threatening in a pro wrestler way. He doesn't go from like, ah, oh, he's knuckle deep, to if you think, let me tell you something. You see, if you think, he didn't do any of that. He talked like a human being who's getting ready to possibly fight somebody. He talked like a human being that can defend themselves in a bar that is ready for this to go down if this has to go down. That was the beauty of it. And that's how you know how good Big E is. He's ready for all of this. And then you turn on Talking Smack and you see that he is that guy. Paul Heyman, what Paul Heyman does on Talking Smack on a character level 
is great. He brings out these, these amazing sides of all these characters. But on a real level, make no mistake about it, Paul Heyman is purposely putting superstars in situations where if they're not ready for what Paul Heyman has the ability to do, they could possibly turn themselves in knots. If you are not on a certain level, Paul Heyman does not dumb himself down. Paul Heyman puts superstars in situations who are very good to shine. But if you're not good enough to find those moments, to realize what's actually happening in front of your face, well, then that's on you. But not only, you've watched the ascension of Big E in only three weeks. You've also, in less than three weeks, in two weeks, Apollo Crews. I'm interested in the Apollo Crews Big E match. I'm interested in what's going on with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and Apollo Crews. I'm interested in the tension that's building between Apollo Crews and Big E. It's like Apollo Crews is finally, the same way Roman Reigns acknowledged, I'm better than everybody else. I get more opportunity than everybody else because I succeed. I'm not going to be humble about it anymore. We see it as fans, and now Roman is acknowledging it. Apollo Crews is acknowledging what we as fans have seen for years, which is Apollo Crews is this super talented guy, super strong, super athletic, super great matches, and just hasn't done anything. And the way Apollo is with Paul Heyman acknowledges that. Paul, that, that Apollo Crews has, has the right to be uh, frustrated and annoyed and pissed. And he should be having this realization that the smiling isn't working. Whoever told him that the smile was wrong because people aren't connecting with it. And nice guys do finish last. And that's the lesson that Apollo Crews has been learning. But that's something that it's true. Again, it's true. That's why it's so good. It's true. All of a sudden... Shinsuke Nakamura, over the course of seven days, has become the old Shinsuke Nakamura. He shows up. He's become the NXT Shinsuke Nakamura. He shows up, and he wows everybody in a gauntlet match. And then he does what Skylar Aston and myself talked about on last week's show, which is brought the old music back. You know what that means? It means he's a good guy. It means they're trying to give people the opportunity to sing along with Shinsuke Nakamura. And where will people have that opportunity? I don't know. But they're opening the doors to WrestleMania again. I'm just saying, the next time that there's going to be an audience, the next time there's going to be an opportunity for an audience to sing along is going to be WrestleMania. So, is that a hint? I don't know. It could be. It could be, or maybe we're reading too much into it. But... That's why his music switched, because he's a good guy now. And because it wasn't a fluke. Because the gauntlet match win was performance was not a fluke. And this is who Nakamura is now, and it's working. Cesaro. Cesaro gets that clean victory, and it's like this thing that fans have been saying for years about Cesaro. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll acknowledge that now, too. It's all being acknowledged. And I personally believe that one of the brains that is coming up with a lot of this is the same brain that is in the skull 
that is in the head, that is connected to the neck, that is connected to the shoulders, that were pinned down on the mat two weeks in a row that helped make out stars out of two different people, Cesaro and Nakamura. Those shoulders, neck, head, skull, and brain belong to Daniel Bryan. I truly believe that this is what Daniel Bryan's contribution to wrestling is right now. Getting beat and putting guys over and doing it for a reason and telling a story as it happens because that's what's being told. I mean, it's not enough just to have Cesaro win a match. The point is that he won a match and he won it clean and it was an awesome match. It's not enough to have Shinsuke Nakamura win a gauntlet. It's pinning Daniel Bryan after having an awesome match with Daniel Bryan. That's what Daniel Bryan's ability is. Now, the question moves forward, which is, when I said last week, under no circumstances are we actually going to see Adam Pearce versus Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble. I can't believe how many people thought that that might happen. But no, of course we're not going to see that. Um, I thought it was going to be Nakamura versus Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Instead, KO, which was another possibility that I presented, KO comes out and signs the subject to change clause, and he goes to WrestleMania now, card subject to change clause, and he goes to WrestleMania now as Roman Reigns' opponent. I mean, not WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, which means I guess he won't be in the Royal Rumble match itself, which means he won't be going to WrestleMania. So, as that's happening, and by the way, he had a wonderful interaction with Paul Heyman on Talking Smack. It was great uh, this week. But as that all happens, now we look towards the Royal Rumble, and we sit there and we go, well, I thought it was going to be Daniel Bryan three weeks ago when he announced he was going to be in the match, but now he keeps losing. Would the guy who's going to win the Royal Rumble keep losing? Well, Shinsuke is now super over as a good guy after only two weeks, but is he really going to go to WrestleMania? Well, Cesaro wins matches now all of a sudden. He beat Daniel Bryan clean. He's in the Royal Rumble. We for the first time in years, we've got this Royal Rumble match where on SmackDown alone, you've got the potential for multiple people to win. We cannot say with confidence. We can all guess, predict, hope for, but we can't say with confidence. Clearly, this is where they're going for WrestleMania. We don't know, and that's the beauty of it. But every part of the storytelling has been excellent, and we didn't know that this was the story we were being told before the story started. And that's the beauty of real long-term storytelling. I still want Daniel Bryan to go to WrestleMania. I still want him to win the Royal Rumble. I think that if he wins, I think it's perfect. Not only do I think it's okay to lose a bunch of matches and then win the Royal Rumble, I think winning the Royal Rumble can justify all those losses. I think that once you win the Royal Rumble, all else is forgotten. That's the whole point of the Royal Rumble. The whole point of the Royal Rumble is that you wouldn't have gotten this title match had you not won the Royal Rumble. So the idea is that Daniel Bryan can still go to WrestleMania and main event, but on his way there, Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, whoever else he wrestles are better off for it. So I think it's been awesome, man. I think it's been a really cool thing to see. Over on uh, Raw, there were a couple of interesting things that happened. First of all, we got to set somebody on fire tonight on Raw. 
Enough with the teasing. We did Alexa Bliss dousing herself in kerosene, not on fire. Legends getting threatened, not on fire. Triple H comes out, not on fire. Alexa Bliss shoots a fireball, but she didn't really light Randy Orton on fire. Also, to tell you the truth, a lot of people thought the fireball was cool, and it was cool. It was like a fire cannon. But I, I, I miss the old days of flash paper. Bring me back to the 70s, the original Sheik. Just use some flash paper. You know, half the time it doesn't work. The spot gets all botched. It's great. I'm okay with flash paper and you just throw fire from your hands. But yeah, I mean, I hope Randy Orton doesn't walk around with an eye patch. I'm so sick of people's eyes getting damaged. But um, yeah, I hope somebody gets lit on fire. Definitely ready for The Fiend to come back. Maybe he'll come back at the Royal Rumble and eliminate Randy Orton or something like that. Um, I thought, uh, well, i get to Triple H in a minute. Uh, the other controversy to come out of Raw was the Ric Flair storyline with Charlotte and Lacey Evans. So my take on this is I personally, not only do I not mind it, I kind of like it for Lacey Evans. Some people are like, look, New Kayfabe is basic. New Kayfabe basically states that what we do not in canon, is in canon. Because the same way over on SmackDown, what's working so well is an acknowledgement of what the fans know. What the fans observe, what the fans know to be true is acknowledged. And it just makes everything feel better and more organic. So the idea that on social media and on YouTube and on all these other spaces, you kind of start to know Lacey Evans' family. And then on Raw, you don't acknowledge it at all. As a matter of fact, she's having an affair, I guess, with Ric Flair, and it becomes like Anna Nicole Smith and that other old guy. There is a disconnect there. There is a major disconnect there, and that's a problem. Like you have to, you have to avoid those disconnects in this n world of new kayfabe. It just is what it is. However, I can look past that because, and maybe it's because I don't know. I guess I don't follow everything Lacey Evans does on social, but I, I have seen her family and stuff, so I get the criticism. For me, I think Lacey Evans is a heel. Uh, the idea of her getting Ric Flair worked up into a lather uh, to the point that he's going to help her over his daughter, I think it's good for Lacey Evans. I like the idea of her having Ric Flair as a manager. I think it lends credibility to Lacey. I think it'll help her get some wins. Uh, I think it will. I think Lacey's character has been lacking. Lacey has not been anywhere near the main event, which she was months and months ago. But, and I think that this can can help give her some stability and give her some credibility. All that said, I don't know what this has to do with Charlotte. My hope is that what happens with this storyline is that Lacey and Ric Flair go off and start doing their own thing. Like that Charlotte just decides to, I don't want to be involved. My dad can do whatever my dad's going to do. And Lacey Evans doesn't deserve to breathe the same air as the queen. I'm on a different level than Lacey Evans, okay? So Lacey Evans and my dad can go do whatever they're going to do. I don't know if you've heard, but Asuka and myself, we're the women's tag team champions of the world. So we're going to go ahead and concentrate on that. Because what I want to see with Charlotte and Asuka is a female two-man power trip. I want to see it get unfair. Charlotte I, Charlotte gets criticism online for whatever reason, but I, I think Charlotte should win way more matches. 
I don't think Charlotte should ever lose. I think Charlotte is John Cena. I, I think Charlotte, and, and John Cena also, by the way, actually did lose more matches than people realize. Less matches than Charlotte, but more than people realize. I think Charlotte should never lose. I think you're still, I still think you're looking at the greatest women's wrestler of all time. But I think Charlotte needs to just be built and built and built and built. And the only real opponent for Charlotte is Becky Lynch because she's the biggest female superstar of all time, right? That's, you can get to that match again by having two people that are totally unbeatable, but they have to be unbeatable. And I, I think that there's no way that Charlotte and Asuka should have anything in their way. It should get to the point where the rest of the women on the roster are sick of them. And that's when one of them turns on the other one. And Asuka can turn heel, by the way. Like, it can go either way. Both Asuka and Charlotte can be a good guy or a bad guy. So, I, yeah, I, I think that what you're looking for is hopefully an Asuka versus Charlotte match. But that match and the story behind that match is contingent on the fact that they just run roughshod over the entire women's division. And that means destroying everybody on SmackDown, destroying everybody on Raw, and destroying everybody on NXT. They need to be on every show beating people up every single week. That's what I want to see out of Charlotte and Asuka. It was great to see Triple H on Raw, let's be honest. Um, you can say whatever you want about legends and the stuff that they're doing, but I thought Triple H was awesome. Um... First of all, Triple H is different in the sense that he's not being called back in as a legend. Like, we all know he's there. Like, he, he works there. He's, he's, he's part of everything. He's, he's one of the main people in charge of this world that we love so much. So we look at Triple H differently, I think. Um, he was clearly there to take the place of the star power that Drew McIntyre brings. But he used his star power to push the rivalry between Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt forward. At the end of the day, it was like, yeah, I'm just going to disappear and the real stars of the show are going to be there. So I thought it, I thought in the big picture, it was the right move. You know, I always want to see another Triple H match personally, but realistically, it can't be about Randy Orton and Triple H. It has to be about what Randy Orton's going to be doing tomorrow, not what he did yesterday. And Triple H is one of the few that come in and make it about tomorrow and the other guy, not make it about Triple H time. So I thought that was really, really good. I thought it was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, hey, speaking of a lot of fun, uh, this would be a great time to plug Not Sam uh, Wrestling on Patreon, patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, but I already plugged it once, so I'm not going to do it again. But speaking of a lot of fun, we've got uh, my buddy Dave LaGreca, who works with me at SiriusXM on the show. Of course, uh, his show busted open. Uh, it's a it's a pretty big name in the world of wrestling now, but it didn't it didn't start that way. Started two afternoons a week at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Nobody listening, it, and 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 he just worked and worked and worked to the point where it's. I mean, most wrestling fans that I know that are hardcores listen to Busted Open, and and they love it. And what's not to love? It's a daily wrestling radio show. Come on, same reason you like not Sam wrestling, uh, the podcast. Except you know it only comes out once a week or twice if you're on Patreon, but. You know, so he's also one of my favorite people to talk about wrestling with because I, I, I like people that I don't need to prep them. I don't need to sit there and be like, oh, we could talk about this. We could talk about that. Like, hey, why don't you do some research on that? Like, we can just, I could be like, hey, does this time work for you? Okay, let's turn the mics on and talk wrestling. And that's the way it works. That's the way it worked last week with Skylar Aston. That's the way it works with Dave LaGreca. 
you know, and, and, and we can talk about current day. We can talk about the past. We can talk about what we're watching now and it's going to surprise each other. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I share that fun with you today here on Not Sam Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave LaGreca. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. Well, last time he was on the show, <laughs> we were in a different world. He was actually sitting right here in the Not Sam studio. Today, he's still in the Not Sam studio, but he's in the Not Sam studio via the wonders of technology. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him from the Busted Open show on SiriusXM every day, as well as the podcast Busted Open for anybody that doesn't have a SiriusXM subscription. You also might know him from uh, YouTube, from the LaGreca Brothers extravaganza, which I have actually become a viewer of. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the legend himself, Dave LaGreca, is here. What's going on, man? How are you, Sammy? You're right. Uh, I think I was the last guest in the uh, Sam Roberts studio before all hell broke loose. You were. You were. And I remember we were. it was just kind of uh, the COVID stuff was just kind of... We were talking about it a little bit, but it was almost this far off thing. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess there's a couple cases around here, I guess. Uh, but I don't know. I think it should probably blow over. Yeah, it'll probably blow over. And literally three days later, you know, the next day, both of us went into Sirius to, to do our respective morning shows. And it was three days later. We're yep. sitting at home at night and Tom Hanks gets it and some NBA player gets it. And then that's it. That's it for America. That's it for the world. <laughs> We're done. And after we did the show, we both went, we went for a slice. Yeah. Slice of pizza. And that was the last time, like, I sat in a physical restaurant and enjoyed food other than in my kitchen. Isn't it wild to think, too, that it was like, uh, it wasn't even, it's not like it was a restaurant. It was this little pizzeria. Like, talk about social distancing. That was not a thing. It was like tables on top of each other. And we basically, like, our plates were were rubbing up against touching. each other. They were touching because the, the table was so tight. We got in the car together to drive there. I mean, we were we were basically super spreaders at that point. Yeah, we we, we were, and the world changed. I think about that. We're in a in a pizzeria on top of one another in the car, no mask. I mean, this is this is, and the world just completely changed. Yeah, like if you saw our behavior that day. One week later, you'd be like, the irresponsibility of these two. What is wrong? Like, social media would have had a, a, a feeding frenzy <laughs> if they saw how irresponsible we were being. It's true. But it was it's before. True. We didn't know. We thought it was it we were just. We had no idea. It's true. We were, we were like, this whole thing, like, yeah, it's going to blow over. Right. It's like, yeah, there's like a couple people in your town that may may or may not have. We don't know. We don't know. And then I, be I believe. It was, I mean, probably that Friday that SmackDown was from the Performance Center yep. for the first time. Because I mean, we take it all for granted now, but it's so funny. Like, that episode of SmackDown, the first, because Monday, that's, that's how different it was. Sunday, you and I were doing our thing. That Monday, Raw was in an arena full of people. Uh, you know, 10,000 people sitting on top of each other there to watch uh, the build-up to WrestleMania. And four days later, the Friday was the first empty performance center show where it was like, but that one was a blast because nobody really, 
people kind of thought they were like, we'll do this for three weeks and then uh, and then be yeah. back to normal because it was, yeah, Triple H is on commentary. Michael Cole is doing 150 things. Bailey is talking to imaginary fans. Like we were just, it was, it was all temporary, not realizing, oh no, oh no, we're gonna, <laughs> this is it now. This is going forward for the foreseeable. This is what we're looking at. And and even like Wednesday, like AEW Dynamite on that Wednesday was in arena full people. Yep. So even just like two days before. And I remember like I didn't go. That was like my last day at work before everything got shut down. So think about that. On Wednesday, everything was kind of normal. And by that Friday, everything was crazy and torn apart. Yeah, actually, you know, I remember people at Sirius going like they had tickets to the AEW show in Newark that was like a week or two later. It was their war game show or whatever they were calling it. Blood and guts, I guess. And they were like, I remember talking to, to one of the guys going like, oh, I don't think they'll cancel it, but hopefully they won't. And I mean, not only did they cancel that show, but everyone canceled every show. And it was funny because when I came on with, I don't know if it was on the show or before the show, you were teasing me about the LaGreca heads. And at the arena, there was a lot of LaGreca. There was going to be 17 LaGreca heads at, at, at that AEW show in Newark. And who knows if we'll ever see a LaGreca head again in the crowd. Yeah, I don't know. I saw that uh, the, the video game that they're putting out. I saw there were LaGreca heads in the video game crowd. And I was like, that really is a throwback. I remember when there were <laughs> I, re I, re I remember when there were LaGreca heads in the crowd. That's like the old days. That's like, let me, that's like, you gotta, you know, Pull up a chair. The old man's got to tell you a story of when LaGreca heads used to be in every crowd. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think that's the way the world is. Hopefully, man, man, fingers crossed. Like, you know, we, we kind of take it for granted, Sam, you know, 80,000, 85,000 fans at WrestleMania. You know, when will we ever see that again? It's just it's crazy. Well, what's your, what, what are you what are you feeling like just as a fan? You're not a doctor. But just as, as 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 a fan, like, you know, vaccines are getting out there. Some old people are getting them now. It's the middle of January. We've got uh, uh, doctors and somehow politicians have already gotten their vaccines. Yes. So, yeah, which is great. So uh, so and, and I'm, I, some old people are getting it now. Um, there's going to be a certain number of vaccines out there by April. I feel like there's a a a chance that that we'll have some people i don't think we'll have eighty thousand people but i think there's a chance that we'll have some fans in attendance for wrestlemania this year i'm hoping but you know you always make fun of me about my age well guess what i'm gonna get the vaccine <laughs> you do, pal. yeah you are yeah so, i'm surprised you haven't already might, cleared it i was i, I think might be the difference between me going to wrestlemania and you staying at home that's so true we'll that's true. They'll use you on the pre-show because you've gotten vaccinated. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go crazy, you'll, Sam. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You'll show up to do the pre-show and they'll look without one look at your head and they'll be like, no, 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 that head is banned. We can't yeah, have that. that. <laughs> Where's Scott Stanford? You know, that's <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But no, but, you know, I think I think you're right, Sam. I think there'll be some kind of physical presence of fans at WrestleMania, but as far as what we are used to in those big stadium crowds, I think, unfortunately, I think we're, we're, we're quite a ways away from something like that again. Yeah. And it'll be interesting too, because I think the president's going to be set with the Super Bowl, right? Like I, I think the plan is to get some people in the audience for the Super Bowl. And if the Super Bowl pulls it off, then I think WWE will look at that and kind of follow that lead. 
because it's a risky thing to be the first to you know put people yeah. in a, in a stadium. But also, you know, they, they every the story about wrestling in stadiums, especially open air stadiums, has always been the way the sound goes right up, so you, you don't feel. 80,000 voices coming in at you unless it's like, you know, like a, a Hardy Boys return in Orlando or something, like something insane. Yeah. Like just the reactions, you don't feel it. So it's like, okay, let's say, let's say they get 30,000 people into a, into an 80,000 person stadium, right? And that's being hopeful. Yeah. You're not, it's not like you're going to be able to pack them all in the no. front. That would completely lose the purpose of doing it at all. You're going to have to spread them out through the whole stadium. So, who knows if that's even going to sound like anything, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I I mean, I just watched, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, and then yeah. Wrestle Kingdom was on for two nights, and they had 20,000 fans, like, combined for both nights. I think they had, like, a little over 5,000 fans for night one, and then, you know, just under 15,000 fans for night number two. And I think we're so used to, like – no crowd noise or something that actually sounded like this huge roar. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, listen, pro wrestling is doing its best. Like oh, kudos yeah. to the WWE with the Thunderdome and, and the Capitol wrestling center with like the, the smoky arena with, Oh, it's something, you know, and, and Daly's place for AEW where they're getting about 500 fans in a, in a 6,000 seat venue. I mean, I think pro wrestling has done a phenomenal job across the board with trying to get a handle on the situation. But Sam, I don't know how you feel about it. I think pro wrestling has been hit the hardest when it comes to the fans as well. Like I'm watching the NFL. It really doesn't make a difference in the game, whether there's, you know, 80,000 fans or, or zero fans. Like you're so focused on the field. You really don't, know that presence at all but when it comes to pro wrestling it's almost like they're as important as the wrestlers that are in the ring and it, it's really lost something by not having fans in attendance yeah i mean i couldn't agree more the thunderdome the thunderdome almost felt like home watching it when the thunderdome finally came back because you're also especially with wwe more so than anyone else like wwe their mark on wrestling is sports entertainment and part of sports entertainment is the production value. Like even if you're not a WWE fan, you can't WWE is they're the Kings of production value. I mean, you watch the NFL now and they're using tricks that Vince brought to the XFL 20 yeah. years ago. Like this is production value is what the WWE does and they're geniuses at it. And you can't, you can't do production value in an empty performance center try as you might it just it's it's not going to happen all you're going to notice is you got a bunch of people wrestling in a warehouse right now this is really really weird so i felt like i felt like when they were when they first started doing performance center shows like the build-up to wrestlemania i thought that was cool because that was when nobody was doing anything and wwe was there and aw too but wwe was there to say no, we're going to we're going to figure out a way to do this. And it was like, yes, like that's so cool that you guys are going to figure out a way to do this. But eventually other people figured out a way to do it. NBA got the bubble, you know, Major League Baseball started, I mean, I don't know. Major League Baseball decided that what if we do the games for cardboard cutouts? And I was like, I don't I, know. I don't know what Major League Baseball <laughs> was thinking. But NFL started, you know, getting some people in and I think baseball was the first uh sport that I heard of 
piping in like video game sound effects for cheers and booze and stuff like that. And it was kind of ridiculous in baseball, but something that I was watching going like this wrestling needs this. So I felt like there was a big space where I was like, oh, this is not this is not what I want in wrestling. And then when the Thunderdome finally came out, I was like, finally, at least like I'm seeing faces reacting to it. I'm hearing sounds like they're not real sounds, but I'm hearing I'm hearing sound that reflects how I'm supposed to be feeling. And I'm and it's also it's a bigger than life show again. There's a pyro is back. The 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 lighting, the video, the everything. And I, I was like, okay, this is this is at least something. I, I feel like as a fan, and I've talked to a bunch of people about this, but I think the way we look at 2020 is gonna be the first couple months of 2020, which by the way were great. Royal Rumble was incredible. The rise of Drew McIntyre was great. The Edge Orton stuff was great. The Elimination Chambers were great matches. Then the experimental stuff in the Performance Center was like, okay, this is like, at least it's interesting. And then WrestleMania. And then unfortunately, we're just going to skip right ahead to SummerSlam in the Thunderdome. Like all the middle has got to just go. And and it's hard, Sam. And I always love going back and watching WrestleMania again. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't go back and watch WrestleMania 36. I just can't do it. Uh-huh. Like, especially the way that it opened up for those about to rock and a, an amazing montage. And then you're waiting for that pyro and that, and that span of like the 85,000 fans and for them to just open up in a warehouse. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it was heartbreak. I, I, I cannot go back and watch that. Maybe 10, 15 years down the road when we get past this, I can go back and watch it. I I just can't watch it right now. I can't either. I cannot watch it. I can watch the Boneyard match, no problem. But I can't watch, you know, and I can watch Firefly Funhouse a hundred times. But I, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I can't watch the empty arena stuff. And there's also, and I didn't expect this. This was like this weekend. I was watching uh, the best of Luke Harper that they put out on the network, and I was rewatching the WrestleMania uh, New Orleans match when the Bludgeon Brothers won the tag team championship just because it was such a big moment. And I remember I was sitting in the audience when they won that match. And I don't know if it's because it made me think about sitting in the audience, but like I just watched that and I felt like it was so recent and and you just felt the energy of the stadium. I had trouble watching that because I was like, oh, I can't I can't do this to myself. I miss this. I miss this too much. Yeah, and, and it's so funny because, you know, our brain sometimes thinks the same way, which yeah. is crazy. But uh, WrestleMania 34 is one of my all-time favorite WrestleManias. Yeah. I think it's an underappreciated WrestleMania. But, Sam, you know that being in New Orleans for WrestleMania 34, it just seemed like everybody that was in that city was a wrestling fan. Yes. And just walking Bourbon Street, and everybody had, you know, wrestling T-shirts. And I, that's one of my all-time favorite experiences. And you're right, when I – when I look back at that, it almost puts a tear in my eye because it's like, all right, when am I going to be able to do this again? Yeah, and it was just, it was just so, it was just so much energy, and it was so big, and you got into that that stadium, and you said the sign is just massive, 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 and and I was just like, oh, like like I feel like when I watch, I have to watch old old wrestling, like I have to watch wrestling from at least fifteen years ago, so it's like there's a displacement there. I, I, yes. I can't watch wrestling within the last like 10 years right now because either I'm depressed because it's in an empty building or I'm depressed because it's not in an empty building. It's like, it's not <laughs> it's, healthy. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, and I've, I've been doing that too. I've been kind of binge watching a lot of territory wrestling. Well, yeah. I was probably doing that anyway, but <laughs> right. I was like binge, <laughs> binge watching a lot of territory wrestling from the 80s because I think it brings just brings me back to like a happy place in my childhood. Sure. But it's not something that that's recent that almost feels like, man, did we really turn the page from this? Is this like a, a different chapter? It's just uh, it's 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 difficult to handle. But again, like pro wrestling never stops. And think about that. Like, yeah, all the other major sports stopped and they had to reschedule pro wrestling just never stopped. It kept going. Yeah. Isn't that great that you're watching territory wrestling and it's like from another time, it's like a historical document. And you're like, wait, this, this that I'm watching here, what I'm going to watch on Monday is just a continuation. It's just yeah, been going yeah. for the entire time. I think it's so funny though, that you talk about that, like uh, childhood nostalgia. Cause I do love that. Like I love like Real, 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 real wrestling fans who, and when I like, when I can really sit down and really chop it up about wrestling with someone like you, where I'm like, I know we'll just turn on the mics and we could go for hours if we want to. It's because there's a certain type of person that started watching wrestling when they were a kid, became obsessed with it and just never stopped. But there's, there's always, no matter how good or bad it actually was, whatever you really got into when you were a kid. It's like music. Like whatever you were listening to in high school is always going to be the best music. Whatever you watched when you were a kid, it's just going to give you that feeling. Like for you, it's the territories. For me, literally watching like the beginning of the new generation era of WWE, which is to some people literally the worst period in wrestling, <laughs> like 93, 94, 95. But I'm just sitting there like within recently, going, I can't believe how underappreciated Matt Bourne was as Doink. I can't believe how underappreciated Yokozuna was. Like, I'm watching it going, this is even better than I thought it was. This is amazing. And you know what? what's great about what you're saying is that's what disappoints me so much right now. And, and I know you deal with it, and I definitely deal with it on Busted Open. Like, instead of, like, the fan base, like, enjoying the wrestling or all the different varieties of wrestling there is now, there's become this, like, battle between shows and, like, there, it's it, the, the pro wrestling community is really fractured right now. And, yeah. And, and I'd like if they maybe even, you know, watch this on YouTube to understand, like, this is a, a gift that's been given to us. And, and, and even on my show, we could be critical, but we're watching, you know, I, I'm not pointing the finger of like, how can you watch that? That's terrible. That sucks. This is great. Like when I was young, I watched everything. Yeah. I just why if it, if it was pro wrestling, I watched everything. And it seems like our community is fractured right now, which hurts pro wrestling. You know, it hurts the popularity of pro wrestling. Well, that's, yeah, I, I actually wanted to talk to you about that because uh, I'd heard on Busted Open, you guys were talking about the concept of moving NXT to another night um, and the idea that, like, you know, it would just help both shows with ratings and, and the concept being that, you know, when you look at ratings, both, each show does better when they run unopposed. Like, when there's a Wednesday yeah. that NXT isn't on, it's a good night for AEW. When there's a Wednesday that AEW's not on, it's a good night for NXT. Um, I think that if you split those shows, like we, we're living in a world right now where mainstream, this is just the mainstream. Like this is the bare minimum of wrestling that you should be watching. If you're a fan is already Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are already musts. You know, 
You could, if you want to go deep, watch Impact on Tuesday, I think, or, you know, and I don't know what's on on Thursday. I'm sure something. But Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are already, like, if you want to have a conversation about wrestling, and, and on Wednesday, you should be aware of what's going on on two different shows at the same time. Do you think, because you guys were saying that, that that would be a good thing, I think, right? That it, it, if they split the nights. But my, my thing is, I feel like if they split it and had NXT and AEW on two separate nights, that you would end up running into fatigue and that eventually people would just stop watching maybe maybe both shows, quite frankly. Like it would just be too much. It's it's you you make a great point. I, I haven't even thought of it in that way where like maybe it's overkill and just too many nights with too much wrestling. But when I look at it with the two different nights, the one thing I think that's hurting is it, it's become a competition. Like for whatever reason, people want the Monday Night Wars back. But mm-hmm. I don't think they understand the concept of what the Monday Night Wars was mm-hmm. like, Sam, like. Back in the Monday, you watch both. Like you watch both shows. You had like, to. One, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you. But now it's become like, boy, boy. If you like AEW, you're an idiot. Boy, if you <laughs> like, you know, if you like NXT, you're a WWE mark. Like it's become this like competition between the two, mm-hmm. and I think it hurts in a lot of ways. Where I feel like if it was split to different nights, you wouldn't have that harsh competition, and where an AEW fan could just watch NXT and an NXT fan could just watch AEW. I could be wrong, yeah. but that's how I, I kind of feel about it. I feel like both shows, when I watch, you know, when I watch to an extent all the shows, I think SmackDown is doing a, a pretty amazing job of storytelling. But I feel like both NXT and both NXT and AEW, I feel like right now, focus a lot on putting on really good matches. Because, I mean, I think... If you if you're watching wrestling now, I think there's there's better quality matches happening on television now than any other era. But I think in order to get casual people to watch, both shows have to be having moments where you're like you you feel foolish not watching. Like if I don't yeah. if I don't watch, I'm going to miss something. And it's not going to be like, "Oh, you got to watch cuz that was a good match." Oh, okay, I'll get to it. If it's a good match, you could watch it later and just go like, oh, yeah, that was a good match. But if it's like there is something happening right now and you've got to see it, because I think that was a big part of the Monday Night Wars. You got to see what the NWO is going to do. You got to see what Stone Cold is going to do. You got to see what Goldberg's going to do. You got to see what The Rock's going to do. Like all, you, you, These are things that you have to see immediately. And I think that that is something that that I would like to see more specifically on Wednesday nights, but I guess across the board. Yeah, I think when it comes to Wednesday nights, and I'd love to get your opinion on it, I think that NXT, top to bottom, is the best pure pro wrestling show of the entire week. Like, I I don't think there's a better pro wrestling show in the ring than what you see Wednesday nights on USA. AEW, I think, and and I, I probably like AEW a little bit more, and it's probably going to surprise you, Sam, in that I think it gives you more of those moments that you're talking about, like those shocking moments, those must-see moments. Um, and also, too, with NXT, there's always that dark cloud where, you know, well, Rhea Ripley just had an amazing match with Raquel Gonzalez, but in three weeks, Rhea Ripley is <laughs> going to be moving to the main <laughs> roster, right? We don't have that in AEW. So, um 
it's 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 different than you know WCW versus you know WWF. Yeah, I do think that that's a good point. That like you do have to in almost in order to protect NXT, you've got to start having people from NXT go to the main roster and just kick everybody's ass. That way, the vibe becomes oh, you got to watch NXT because the next kick ass competitor, the next kick ass sports entertainer. Is gonna come from <laughs> is gonna come from Wednesday night, and yeah, if you if you if you don't have that, if you have to enter the rebuilding phase when you get to the main roster, or you know, worse, you enter the rebuilding phase and you just stay there, uh, it, I, I think it does long term hurt the idea of this because there is, I think there is that 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 voice of contention in the wrestling world that like I I don't think anybody sits there and says NXT is a bad wrestling show. You know, I, if they do, then they're nuts because you're right. I yeah. mean, there's, it's just unbelievable. It's just WWE hate. If they're saying yes. that, then it's just pure WWE hate. Yes. Yeah. But I, but you're right. I, I think that like, like if, if Keith Lee shows up on Raw and immediately is a threat to Drew McIntyre, then it's like, oh, I got to start watching NXT. That's where Keith Lee came from. He's kicking yeah. ass. You know, and I think Keith Lee will get there. You know, I'm watching him and I'm like, you know, if they would, if they would, turn this guy heel. I think he could be a, a, a challenger to Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania, but it's almost, somebody's got to come up maybe Rhea Ripley. Maybe she comes up to raw and just immediately beat Charlotte. And it's like, oh, okay, now we got to see what's going on on Wednesday yep. nights. Cause that's where, that's where Rhea Ripley is coming from. Um, I think like in terms of storytelling and stuff, SmackDown has been doing an incredible job. Uh, but like this week specifically, I was so like, you're not disappointed at all. And they're throwing curveballs. And I like that. You know, I think, I think that, that part of long-term storytelling is that you're not be able, you're not supposed to be able to forecast that it's long-term storytelling at the beginning. Like you're not like, you know, you, you hear sometimes like when stuff is happening slowly and you're like, Oh, this is just long-term storytelling. Don't worry about it. And part of me is going like, well, if you know, it's long-term storytelling, it's probably not that good long-term storytelling. Like you don't, you're not supposed to realize that something is long-term storytelling until you're three quarters of the way in. And you're like, Oh, this is how this started. Um, and, and I feel like on SmackDown, a lot of curveballs have been thrown at us to the point where like, even me, right. I think going into survivor series and coming out of survivor series, I'm like my WrestleMania main event is Roman versus Drew. And then Daniel Bryan declares himself in the Royal Rumble match. And I go, oh, my WrestleMania main event is is definitely Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns. And then they do the thing with Shinsuke. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. what's going on? And Adam Pierce, and I'm like, well, clearly Adam Pierce is not going to wrestle this match. Shinsuke is going to wrestle this match. And then Kevin Owens comes out and you're like, wait a minute. If Kevin Owens is wrestling Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble, does that mean I want to see Nakamura versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania now? I don't, I don't understand, it's, which, which is a good thing, right? Absolutely. Uh, um, I, I think SmackDown is the WWE's flagship show now. Like yeah. I know Raw has been around for forever, and but you look at the ratings, you look at the fact that it's on Fox, and then I get excited each and every Friday night to watch SmackDown. And it's for exactly what you said. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. A lot of times with Raw, I'm almost dreading what happened. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, but with SmackDown, I really, I, they are really telling you this great story 
And you're so right, Sam. You hit the nail right on the head. It's not about, oh, this is long-term storytelling. You're enjoying it within the moment. Right. And where it takes you week to week, it doesn't really matter because you're so into what's happening in that moment. You're not really thinking ahead because there's so many twists and turns every single Friday that you just get caught up on what's going on right now. Yeah, like if I said... Well, who do you think is going to win the Royal Rumble? Usually you you have a pretty good idea. Like, you know, yeah. last year you're like, well, either Brock's going to go all the way and there or it's going to be Drew. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like you, you kind of have and it was still great. Like, it's not always a bad thing. Right. But you usually can narrow it down to one or two people. They're going to win the Royal Rumble. Like it, it it's kind of the only thing that makes sense. But this year I'm just sitting there and just on the SmackDown side alone, you could see Daniel Bryan obviously winning it. Shinsuke obviously winning it. All of a sudden, Cesaro is getting clean wins over Daniel Bryan, and you're like, maybe Cesaro's going to win the Royal Rumble then. I don't know. Or, you know, Big E might win the Royal Rumble. He's, like, doing phenomenally. I thought the stuff between Big E and Apollo, when Big E was on commentary and he was goofing around and then he stood up and he got all threatening with Apollo, I was like, and it felt real. It felt like it makes sense. Like, Big E didn't go from goofy to angry. He just, like kind of like a human being just adapted to the situation that he was actually in and, and, and you, and you believe it and you go on the ride. But I mean, I don't, I don't remember a Royal rumble that we were this close to that had so many possibilities. I can't tell you with confidence. I can tell you who I would like to win. I could create some scenarios if I'm fantasy booking, but Dave, I can't sit here and say, well, clearly this is who's going to win the Royal rumble. No, nah, and that's the beauty of it. And when you look at SmackDown right now, it reminds me of Raw in like 1998. And the fact that like, you think about it, like everybody on that show was a star. Like yeah. you were emotionally invested in like everybody that was on that show. I feel that way about SmackDown. Like even like, like Billy Kay, like. Lover. Like, I mean, like it's a, it's amazing. It's like, it's, it's, I, I can't wait to see what she's going to do next, what she's going to say next, like where this story is going. And that's the way Raw was back 22 years ago. Like, you obviously had the main event scene, but even like the mid card scene or whatever was something that you were totally into. SmackDown is very much that same plan, that same game plan as it was 22 years ago. Now, you mentioned Raw, completely different than what I see <laughs> on Friday night. You know, but like, but they're getting they're getting it so right on Friday. Yeah. It, my mind why they can't do the same on monday night <laughs> yeah because you go like well who's running uh raw same people as running smackdown what how, <laughs> how is that possible <laughs> i don't understand how is it possible <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know i i have i have no idea i'm just like whatever the thing that you do on friday do some of that on monday you don't have to do all of it i mean just some of yeah. it i don't know if it's the three hours thing throws you off or i i don't i don't know but um yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm at the point now where I'm sitting here going like, wait a minute, like I'm I'm uh, what's that feeling that I'm having? Am I am I interested in the Apollo Cruz character? Am I am I interested in the journey that Apollo Cruz is on? I never thought that would happen. All it took was seeing Apollo Cruz sitting next to Roman Reigns. Yeah. And yes. And you didn't even you couldn't even hear what they were saying. Mm -mm. Like most of that conversation, like you couldn't even hear. It was like in the background. And already all those all that time he was on roll. Think about <laughs> it. The like you're like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like 
But all it took was a, him sitting on a couch with Roman. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm invested in Apollo Crews now. Yeah. Yeah. And what's great is like they do talking smack, which we see the clips of, you know, on Twitter every Saturday. And I think yeah. every single weekend it's like, oh, my God, look what Paul Heyman did. Look what Paul Heyman did. Look what Paul Heyman did. And it's always so good. But they do such a good job of having talking smack compliment what's going on on SmackDown and, and further the stories. But if you don't watch Talking Smack, you can turn SmackDown on the next Friday and you don't feel like you've missed something. Like you're yeah. like, you're not like, where is this coming from? Oh, didn't you watch Talking Smack? No, I didn't watch Talking Smack. I don't know anything. Well, oh, if you'd watch Talking Smack, you'd, well, it's not on me. It's on them to, yes. to tell me. And I, th I think they do a really nice job of making it so that Talking Smack is really good content and it's a good show. But if you miss it, You'd be okay. You can still just watch SmackDown. And it's completely the opposite when you talk about Raw Talk. Like, you know, you're getting, like, Mustafa Ali right. is, you know, arguing with R-Truth about Hogan. And it's like, wow, like, boy, why, why can't they put that on Monday night? Because then I'd be, you know, invested in retribution. Right. Know? And it's the same thing with social media. They did such a good job on why each character of retribution is doing what they're doing. But they did it on social media. Well, why can't you show me that on a three-hour Monday Night Raw? Yeah, it really is weird with Retribution. Like, if you just go by the social media, you're going, this is one of the best factions of the year. This is, this this Retribution faction is absolutely incredible. And then you turn on Raw, and you're like, this is, no, 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 no. This, I saw Retribution must have been something else. I saw on social media, they were awesome. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I mean, even T-Bar. T-Bar's got this amazing Twitter account. And I'm like, this... This makes sense, and it, and it, but it really does show you that like it's uh, to me it's great to see people that care that much about their characters. Like that's what you want out of performers to figure out how to get that message out there, regardless of you know the writers want this or creative wants that or I have to do this on TV or that on TV. It's like just. Figure out what the, the good chunk of this character, whatever's there's got to be something you can make work in there and make that work. And, and I, I feel like they are it is happening on Raw Talk and social media. But when we go back in history and that stuff still exists, you're like, oh, we'll always know if they'd done more of this on that could have been awesome. Yeah, I almost feel like, you know, in 10 years, there's going to be a. Uh a special on the WWE network about retribution <laughs> and you know, what went wrong. And, you know, you're going to be on there saying, boy, if they would have just done more, uh, yeah. on, on Raw. <laughs> like, you know, they would have just, what they did on raw talk and social media, if they would have put that on there, that would have been a storyline that worked, but you know, we'll see. It really is interesting too, with Ali specifically, like I was waiting for Ali to turn heel for the longest time. Cause he had every reason to, like, I felt yeah. like coming off of, Kofi mania from all the way back then, like the perfect story was that Kofi mania was stolen from Mustafa Ali. And he was kind of hinting at that on social. Like he, he was kind of like putting out tweets going like, I remember Kofi and they're on the same brand and everything, but it's just like, I don't know. I like my, I like the uh, Twitter wrestling federation. It's, 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 it's got a uh, good story. And, and Ali, like what he said about Hogan, I loved what he said to our truth about Hogan. Like, I get it. I get that they paved the way, but when are we going to be yes. able to travel on that road? Why yes. do they insist on bringing back these former legends? And I'm, I hear that. And I'm like, he's a hundred percent right. There's yeah. never been a time that I can remember Sam 
since I've been watching pro wrestling where they're so reliant on stars from 15, 20 years ago, like they are right now. There's always been that passing of the torch. You know, there's always been that, you know, uh, king in a ring moment with Stone Cold and Jake Roberts, where it's like, yeah, there's Stone Cold talking down to a legend. Jake Roberts with his head bowed down (laughs) in defeat, you know, like, you need that moment. Stop putting all these wrestlers from the past on this platform that you can't knock them. They need to be knocked down they because you need yeah. to pave the way for your younger talent to move forward. Now, when you say that, you're not talking about Randy Orton being disrespectful to the world's strongest man. Don't get me started about <laughs> Randy Orton, that human piece of filth. Randy Orton. <laughs> it really didn't seem like when all told, like when you watch that whole episode of Raw, it didn't seem like wholly unnecessary that Randy Orton was being so mean to people. It didn't, he didn't light anybody on fire. He was just walking around being rude to people. It's like, what's that guy's problem? It's a, it's so funny. Like there's a couple things that hit me on Raw. Like I love the fact that Triple H said, when you drop that match, uh, you know, on what on Bray Wyatt, I was like, I I was so proud of you. But man, the way you talk to those legends <laughs> in the back, shame on you. You know, the fact that you burned a man alive—that's I'm proud of you. But how how can you say those words <laughs> to the legends? And then the other thing, Sam, is there they, the whole show uh-huh. is Randy Orton disrespecting the legends in the back. Uh-huh. But then the end of the show is Goldberg comes out and tells Drew McIntyre, <laughs> you know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that you're you're better than these legends on the Instagram. I'm like, wait, did they just put the wrong person in that role? Yeah, yeah. What like, happened here? Yeah, I was like, Drew, I feel like Drew has gone out out of his way to be very respectful. You know, the, the legends helped him win that ambulance match. If I'm not, I was just going to say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. they're, like he's friends with them, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Hey, did you think about, you know, because one of the things I was thinking about on this podcast, I think all of us who cover uh, wrestling a lot, were thinking about it, that that there was this point, uh, you know, middle early last year where there was this option of maybe there won't be new programming. Like maybe maybe the WWE and everybody else will start putting on best ofs or whatever they're going to put on. Uh, do you, Do you think you would have had a good time? doing a, a wrestling show that's on every day, just covering, like, just coming up with things to cover from the old days? It would have been challenging, uh, but I think it would have been fun. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, like, with on Wednesday, we, on, on our Wednesday show, it's myself and Tommy Dreamer. Usually Tommy and I go into this rabbit hole of, you know, wrestling from the past or moments from the past and things like that. Uh, to stretch that out to five days a week would have been a challenge. But you know what, Sam, we've, I, I think we've seen it, even with a lot of podcasts that are out there. Uh-huh. They do more of like the history of pro wrestling or watching a Raw from 20, 25 years ago as opposed to talking about a show now. I, I, I would not have liked it to happen. I'm glad that there's original programming, but I think it would have been kind of fun too. Yeah, I think it would have been fun. I mean, you know, on the network show, I'm specifically – just talking about stuff from the past because I want the shows to be evergreen. You know, they're not topical at all. And it's so fun sitting there, like getting on the network and rebooking Vader in 1996. You know, it's like, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's a good time, especially when you can look at it with 2020 hindsight and all of a sudden you're a genius, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, and, and just looking back at certain wrestlers and stuff and, and it's, 
it's crazy how many people are still obsessed with wrestling from the past. Yeah. I, I was, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I think the last time I was on with you, I said, you know, 2019 to me was one of my favorite years as a wrestling fan. Like, I know that seems like such a long time ago <laughs> right. now, but wasn't that like 10 you, years ago? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but 2019, when you look at the whole health of the industry, yeah. That was a great year in pro wrestling. We're not that far removed from that. No, no. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I've become more familiar with a lot of stuff, the more stuff I've been watching in the last, I don't know, you know, several months. And, like, I've really just come to the realization how strong, because, you know, I think a lot of people feel like when WCW went down, when ECW went down, it was not mm -hmm. the greatest thing in the world because the industry you know, it became monopolized for a period yeah. of time. You know, it had to it had to figure out a way to regrow and 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 find that health again. But just in terms of programming and in terms of what was going on, 2002 is an underrated and one of the best years that WWE has ever had. 2002, because like I go through these pay per views every time there's a big one, and like kind of go and, and every single time I'm like. Royal Rumble 2002 is one of the best Royal Rumbles. WrestleMania that year was outrageous. Uh, SummerSlam 2002 is unbelievable. Sean's return, Brock versus Rock. And Survivor Series 2002 is one of the best pay-per-views of all time. And I'm sitting there going like, wait a minute. Was 2002 like one of the best years ever? The beginning of the Ruthless Aggression era? And the answer is, yeah, 2002 is incredible. Yeah, I, I think it's fun to kind of look back. I mean, that's a show right there, like, one of the best years, like kind of breaking down some of the best years yeah. in pro wrestling. And I think in every decade you have like one of those strong years that could go up against any year from any other decade. And I'm a fan of the ruthless aggression period. Like yeah. a lot of people look back at that and thought like, oh, you know, after the attitude era, that was a step down. I am not one of those people. I'm a huge fan. I, I think, and and people are probably going to watch this and listen to this and probably kill me on it. But I think Ruthless Aggression Era is just as good as the Attitude Era in a lot of ways. When you look at match qualities and matchups and things like that, like I, I think it's on par with a lot of what we saw during the Attitude Era. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Attitude Era, number one, so many people associated it with when they were kids. Like that's that high school thing that we talk yeah. about. So it's going to be romanticized. But also the star power, right? You never the, the Attitude Era is unmatched in terms of actual star power. Mainstream stars, the NWO and D Generation X are still household names. You have Stone Cold, yep. you have The Rock, you have Mick Foley. You, have, I mean, just star after star: Goldberg, DDP, Sting, like everyone. But you're right in terms of matches, in terms of stories, and in terms of people that were out there. Like you have. John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, all rookies. You have Edge's real rise to fame. Like, I mean, Edge yeah. and his main event run is some of the best stuff ever. And again, I mean, you talk about underrated performers. People think that I'm, I don't know if people think I'm being ironic or not, but if you really look at it, Umaga is like one of the best of all time. Umaga is insane. You can even see it when he's doing stuff with as Jamal in three-minute warning. Like, uh, that's what I was watching in Survivor Series 2002. You can see that this guy's different. This guy's special. And then when he comes out with the paint and he's got the tattoo on his belly and everything, and he's Umaga, I'm like, oh, my God, Umaga. Like, 
He could have been so much it, more. He would have been, yeah, it, crazy. Yeah. But you just said it, 2002, that WrestleMania, WrestleMania 18. Yeah. Like, j- just listen to the crowd of that WrestleMania. I mean, it's hard to find the WrestleMania crowd that was more into what was going on in the ring than that WrestleMania in 2002. Yeah, and people, like, you know, they, they put on the the historical lens and they're like, you know, well, that was, you know, Hogan and Rock, and and clearly that match should have ended the the night and everything. And 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 while that's true in hindsight, obviously nobody could ever follow that. Like people think it's ridiculous that Jericho and Triple H ended that show. But what you don't take into account, because people don't like people don't think of Triple H this way. I feel like people think of Hunter Hearst Helmsley, then they think of the game as a as a heel, and then they think of Evolution, and those are the three steps of Triple H. But they don't remember that like. The end of 2001, coming off of the quad injury, going into 2002 and the Royal Rumble 2002, Triple H was literally the biggest babyface in wrestling. I mean, the ovation he got when he came back, everybody was excited that he won the Royal Rumble. Like, he, he, I, I think it's understated now what a big deal good guy Triple H was in the beginning of 2002 and the end of 2001. Agreed. And then, you know, but people forget, like, you know, WrestleMania 25, to me, the greatest WrestleMania match of all time between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. That wasn't in the main event. That wasn't the last match. Right. You know, it was it was Triple H and and Randy Orton. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. One of, I think, I mean, greatest pro wrestling moments at the Garden was, you know, it was was Triple H coming back. And that it was nuts. Yeah. Like, you know, that that. And people kind of sleep on that. People kind of forget yes, that moment. I mean, go back and watch that moment. Go back and and, and watch that crowd. It was insane. I did uh, I did a monologue on the network show that I thought about you when I was doing it because I wanted your opinion on it. So I'm glad we're here to talk about it because I was this was like around Christmas time, and I was sitting there thinking about it, and I really went through and I went through every year. You're not, I'm a WWE guy. I've never made a secret about that. I've come on busted open and been like, this is, this is where, this is the starting point we have to get at. If if this is going to be your hang up, we're not going to be able to have a conversation because I'm telling you I'm a homer for WWE and I always will be in NXT, the whole thing. Like it's from when I was a kid. That's just me. You know, it has nothing to do by the people are like, oh, ever since WWE started paying you, you became a shill. I was a shill way before, (laughs) way before WWE even knew who I was. Okay. But um, I was going through it, and this is taking my bias aside. You're an NWA guy, Dave LaGreca. You know what I mean? You respect the NWA. So obviously, Starcade is a very important event to you, yes? Yes. Okay. I will say every kind thing you can say about anything for Starcade 83, 84, 85, all the, you know, Flair versus Dusty, Flair versus Harley, you know, Chi Town Heat, everything. But Starcade post Crockett, and I mean all of it, like every Starcade from 1990 and on, every year sucks. All uh, I, <laughs> every, I could, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you talk about you talk about a pay per view franchise that built itself on the first few, and I was going through, man, and aside from '93. Flair versus Vader with Flair's career on the line. 
That was an incredible main event. That was great. I love that. And, and, that, and that's more about that match than, that's than it. the whole show. That's it. Yeah. But literally, yeah. literally every Starcade in the 90s, every single main event. I mean, first of all, like 91 and 92 are Battle Bowl. So it's like, that's not, what do you even? Yeah. It's <laughs> And then, and then you go into like 94 was Hogan versus Brutus. 95 was, <laughs> 95 was Flair versus Savage, which should have been good, but it was all interference. Like it was just, it was horrible. 96 was Hogan versus Piper. Horrible. 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 97 was Hogan versus Sting. Maybe the best build for a pay-per-view match of all time. I'll give you that. I mean, the build for Hogan versus Sting was as good as it gets. But the actual match and then the finish may be the most disappointing thing in the history of wrestling. And, and, and Sam, it starts. It started before the match even began. Mm-hmm. Like, if you remember, like right before Sting came out, they had that cool lighting with the vo- the child's yes. voice. Yes. Like, you know, it said Sting, and I, I, I have goosebumps even thinking about it because I, I mean, I was so excited, and then Sting walks out. <laughs> like, and it's and, and right, like he's walking out like. The last place he wanted to be was there in that moment. Like, first of all, you're gonna have Sting return, just gradually walk out from the back, like dragging his feet, walking to the like with all the moments that we had. Like you said, maybe one of the greatest builds towards a match ever, 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 and without a doubt, the most disappointing. Uh, Beginning, middle, and end to a match I have ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy who's literally spent a year and a quarter. He spent 16 months hanging out in the bleachers of every building WCW was in. Yes. And today he's been in the locker room all day? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, like, comes out from the back just like everybody else. Like, what? what? How is, what world? Are, what are we looking at here? It's and then the don't even get me started with the end of that match because it was oh. the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. The end of and that match, every- I, I feel like the end of that match killed Hogan, Sting, Nick Patrick, and Bret Hart all in yes. one fell swoop. Not again! Like not again! Wait, I mean the, the count was fine. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was a solid count. It was a solid count. He won. Like Sting lost. Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. He spent all his time in the bleachers. He obviously wasn't seeing the leg drop coming. Sting yeah. lost. What do you want? I don't know what, what you want me to tell you. And, yeah, and 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 Sam it and I get I get killed on this on busted open. It actually to me hurt Sting's legacy that match. I agree. I agree. I think I think the best work Sting ever did. I think Sting's Sting's entire not gonna I'm not gonna say his entire legacy because that's disrespectful. Because the stuff he did before counts. The Clash of the Champions, Ric Flair, yeah. Server Sting, like definitely. But the the fact is that Sting as an icon, it's that crow paint, right? Every, he yeah. he never go, he never went back to Surfer Sting. He never will go back to Surfer Sting. That's the Sting that we know. The reason that that sting is so popular is because of the bill is because of the year and a half build up yes. to Starcade. That's the best time in the history yep. of Sting. And Starcade comes along and they can't capitalize on building the most popular character in the history of WCW. <laughs> It's and and listen, a lot of people go back to that and and said that killed WCW. Obviously, we know that didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh but man like it was really kind of the 
the the the cracks in the foundation. Yeah. After that. Yeah. For it was sure. it was definitely a sign. Um, and like for me, you go a year further into Starcade, right? It, it's not like it's it's not like they were like, oh, okay, that's rock bottom for Starcade because it kept being bad. <laughs> like the, 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 the next year was Goldberg's streak ending via cattle prod, um, which in by the way, in theory. And maybe this is just because I was a big sexy fan. You know, I was, I look in 95, I was running on diesel power. Okay. So I've always, I told you I love the new generation. So I was not upset when Kevin Nash beat Goldberg. I was like, this is great. Kevin Nash is amazing. The problem is that it ended up just like Sting's entire build. Goldberg being beaten ended up being completely worthless because of the way the, the real damage of the finger poke of doom to me, it was not the finger poke of doom itself because there have been other examples of titles being changed like that, and it's it's okay. Like when when Shawn Michaels dropped the European Championship to Triple H in a similar way, it was not it was fine. Like it didn't destroy the European title. It, it, it was fine. Now, granted, there's a big difference between the world title and the European title, yeah. but but still, like it doesn't necessarily. If the story makes sense, it doesn't have to kill anything, even if you don't particularly like it. The problem is that that happened a week after Kevin Nash had just ended the biggest streak in wrestling. So the problem with the finger poke of doom is it made Kevin Nash's victory over Goldberg worthless because he conquered the unconquerable. And then instead of being, and we're talking about characters, of course, it's not like Kevin Nash is sitting there being like, Oh, this is a good idea, but he conquered the unconquerable. And then he decided the best thing that he could do is just give the title to his old boss. <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah, it's just, what? And and imagine, Sam, if those moments that you mentioned happen now with social media. Imagine oh. like, <laughs> imagine what the social media post would be like during that Starcade '97 main event. Oh, oh, oh. oh it would have. They would have told you this company is dead. They're out of business. They're done. <laughs> like this is. It, it probably would have sped up the process, right? Yeah. It probably for sure. Yeah, you're right. Social media would have would have destroyed them. But I mean, who knows? I you know like. If social media and everything existed, like the thing was that in those days, part of it was you could develop a cliffhanger and you could you could develop these storylines that you had to tune in next Monday to watch. Like now, there's so much programming and stuff. It's like, okay, look, if if Alexa Bliss had been burned to a crisp, we would know it by now. We wouldn't have to wait a week to find out. I get it, Sam, but and I was very critical of that on Busted Open because, you know, they did have a cliffhanger ending. And I was like, wow, all right, hey, Raw's, you know, changing it up a little bit. Like, hey, you know, the ratings are always down for the third hour. Like, it's the, the least rated hour is always the third hour. Well, you know what? When you have a cliffhanger like this, this is going to make you want to tune into the next week. And then have the cliffhangers holding the match, like, a, you know, Alexa Bliss you know, pouring kerosene all over her body. And then Randy Orton has that, that lit match. Like what? And then it goes off. It's like, all right, what happened? Where did they, what, what's going on? And then they explain it the next week, like 35 minutes into the show. <laughs> yeah. He explains it to Charlie Caruso. Oh yeah, I couldn't do it. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like that's how you, you ended with the cliffhanger and that's your explanation. Yeah. Come on now. 35 minutes in. Did you set Alexa Bliss on fire last week? Oh yeah, no, mm -mm. no, no, <laughs> no. But but you know what? Thanks. But 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 there's so much content now. Like it bugged me that the lights are out. 
Alexa Bliss is covered in kerosene. Randy Orton is holding a match, you know, straight to black and, you know, straight up with Stone Cold or whatever comes on. And I'm like, okay. But if I turn on the WWE Network, let's say I'm a super fan. Let's say I'm a P1. And I turn on the WWE Network <laughs> and and Charlie Caruso and R-Truth or whoever, you know, this is not them, are sitting there at the, at the Raw Talk table going like, we don't know what happened between Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton. I'm like... The ring's right behind you. Like, just go, <laughs> go check. There'd be a burn mark on the ring. Like, you should, you could easily find out. Does it smell like burnt flesh? Like, you're, it would have just happened in the room that you're in right now. So, if anybody should know, it it would be, it, it would be you. Like, you, I don't know, maybe like have Raw Talk be backstage because they're like, they moved us back here because, you know, maybe you have Charlie and like, uh, and, and our truth just on like, Mike's just standing like in the locker room going like they won't let us out there the fire department's out there they won't let us they don't know what happened we don't know what happened but we're gonna do raw talk from back here tonight or something like don't don't make it the backdrop and then be like we don't know what happened behind us just turn around yeah I know it's it's <laughs> and 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 Sam you're you're a younger fan than I am like it's still hard for me to like you know the separate names on social media and kind of like that you know where it's like it's kind of in your face that you know this is all work and there's you know this is this is a character that i play on wwe programming but that's that's really not me i'm i still have a struggle with that i understand you know in this day and age it's not the way it was when i first started watching in 1981 but i i still feel like you can have some of that mystique and magic if a lot more wrestlers played into it you know yeah, you could, but you're also at the point now where you're like, you know, uh, Abdullah the Butcher. Oh, that scary guy. No, the guy with the rib restaurant. You know, you could just you go to his place. Yeah. He'll cook you Chinese food. Um, <laughs> yeah, not the healthiest place to eat, though, Sam. You probably you may want to like no probably consider that, but yes, probably not. And check every fork too. You don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's. <laughs> um, but uh, I yeah, I think that the best performers now, and I've I've been like thinking a lot about that actually about the real names and the character names and everything because I'm with you. Like, I think that the 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 best stuff is when even as an adult, you can suspend disbelief and you can get lost. And part of the suspension of disbelief is not seeing that character. Like, it, there's something about wrestling that makes it unique to any other form of entertainment where. Because, like you said, because it lasts forever and it just keeps going and going and going and never stops. If on Thursday a Raw superstar is tweeting under their real name, even though Raw isn't on, it is still the equivalent of like Brian Cranston in the middle of an episode of Breaking Bad going like, hey, just wanted you to know I do not sell drugs. I don't cook drugs. I don't do any of that. I'm acting. You know, and you're like, well, this is... This is making it tough for me to watch. This isn't the same thing. I think that the the best performers uh, use something, and this is a concept that we've been exploring on the podcast a lot over the last few weeks. I think there is a new kayfabe, and I don't think kayfabe is dead. I think there is a new kayfabe, and, and the best performers are using this new kayfabe, and this new kayfabe is an awareness of uh, so many fans wanting to know what's going on behind the scenes, and so many fans thinking that they're a quote-unquote smart fan and watching the show as if they're thinking on a level above it, you know? And I, I think new kayfabe is like, uh, you know, when, I mean, you know, 
new kayfabe is is articles coming out about uh, Ali having heat, yeah, because of what he said on Raw Talk, and you're like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what do you mean he has heat? Like, you really think? Okay, if you say so. Like, that's the new kayfabe. I feel like new kayfabe is when. When Daniel, like, for me, my ideal main event, this is something I've been pitching. I've been talking about it on the podcast every single week, so people are probably getting tired of me talking about it. But I'm going to keep doing it. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to put it into the universe, Dave. I'm trying to manifest it, okay? my, well, you, you're, you're definitely somebody that can do that. You can yeah. manipulate things. A little bit. You're definitely an, a, an influencer, for Correct. sure. Correct. So you can use that. I'm again. trying to. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, thank you. Um <laughs> Like my my ideal main event at this point, still for WrestleMania. As much as I love Shinsuke and the real subtleties, when I knew things were changing for Shinsuke is when they changed his music, because clearly they changed his music the first time. They added lyrics so that people couldn't sing along anymore. Because now he's a heel and people shouldn't sing yeah. along. They took the lyrics out so people can sing along again once they get back into a stadium, which would be for WrestleMania. Like that's that's how my brain is working. But still, all that aside. I, my ideal WrestleMania main event is Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns. However, the hiccup in this match is that we get to a place where it is title versus career. Roman puts the title on the line. Daniel Bryan's career is on the line. And the reason that this match would have believability, not in the sense that, oh, this is like, they're really going to be wrestling for real. Believability in the sense that we don't know what's going to happen. Anything could happen here is because of the new kayfabe, which is Daniel Bryan has been specifically and outwardly and publicly talking about the fact that he's finishing up with being an active wrestler. You know, we, we, we've all read the reports. He's talked about this on WWE programming that he is not going to be a full-time wrestler anymore. He's on a reality show. We've met his kids. He's like, I want to go home. I want to be a dad. We've all read the dirt sheets. We know he's on SmackDown Creative. We're watching him get pinned by Nakamura. We're watching him get pinned by Cesaro. We're watching him, you know, put over Drew Gulak. And this is a guy who is doing everything he can to let the world know that his career, the, the clock on his career is, is, is running out. However, people love this guy. I mean... Love him. Nobody wants his career to be over. So you go to WrestleMania and you could easily see a scenario where Daniel Bryan is the guy to beat Roman Reigns. There's years, years of history in this thing. Like the whole reason the Yes movement developed was because of guys like Roman Reigns. Yep. You know, and you look at the whole reason Roman Reigns was getting booed when he won the Royal Rumble is because he wasn't Daniel Bryan. And so, like, you've got years of story there where clearly Daniel Bryan can be the guy. You want a feel-good WrestleMania moment? Have Ro uh, Daniel Bryan be the guy to finally dethrone Roman Reigns. At the same time, Daniel Bryan has been making it clear that he's not going to be a full-time wrestler anymore. So, as a fan, you're thinking, I could, see, I could see them retiring Daniel Bryan in this match as well. And you go into that match... Just, just feeling it, you know. It's just, it's just all over you because you know, both of you know you're gonna get a clean finish either way because both of those scenarios are equally possible. It's, it's. See, I love what you're saying because even he, I remember it like it started off small, like him saying, "Boy, since I came back, there's certain things I can't do in the ring anymore." Yes. And like he started it off small, and then it built up and built up where I, you know. My bump cards almost all completely filled. Like, yes, you know this. It, 
he he's done it very subtle, yep. very subtle, and it, but it's built and built. And you're right, the smart fans. Hey, this guy is gonna retire soon. You put him in a match against Rome, and how much better is that, Sam? Than let's bring out Goldberg uh. for you know the fourth return. You know, like it, like let and it, and it could kill stories. Like if if you were building toward, I'm not saying this is what they're building toward, but this is what a lot of fans think they're building towards. They're thinking that Goldberg's gonna take out Drew McIntyre <laughs> at the Rumble. And then it's going to lead to Goldberg and Roman Reigns. Okay. Nightmare if fuel. You did, if you did that and there was fans in attendance, they would boo Goldberg and cheer Roman Reigns, which is not the response that you or, want. Quite frankly, they might boo both of them. And you're like, you're kidding me. After all this work we've put in, yeah. we've got another Roman Reigns WrestleMania main event where the match is just getting booed out of the building. Like, come on. And it, and it's so frustrating, Sam, because you were there, you know, in New Orleans. We just talked about it. WrestleMania 34. That match between Roman and Brock was a great match. Yeah. It was a great main yeah. event. Yeah. But the fans didn't want to see it. And they booed and chanted during the entire match. And I remember in the moment, I think I told you about this, I was angry. Because I was like, look at what's going on in this ring. I mean, Roman was bloodied up. It was just like, it was such a great match. But the fans crapped all over it. You don't want that situation. You put you put Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns in the ring. Everybody's going to be rooting for Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Like, it's just. They're rooting for Daniel Bryan. And they're booing Roman Reigns for all the right Reasons. For the right reasons, yes. yes. For the yes. right reasons, yeah. Because that, yeah, that was so funny. The Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar match because it was almost like Brock Lesnar won, and everybody that was booing and like chanting and and boring and blah blah blah, like Brock wins, and everybody's like, oh, huh? Like what? <laughs> what? You mean I should have just watched this thing play out? What do you, What do you mean Brock won? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that I think you're right. I think that if 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 we ended up in a Goldberg. Roman Reigns scenario, and especially, I mean, that, yeah, I can't even fathom that. Just because Drew has has worked so hard oh, and oh. done such a good job, and I mean, WWE is finally. It didn't work with Roman. It didn't work with Seth. A lot of stuff, in my opinion, has worked with Seth. I'm a huge Seth Rollins fan, but he as the babyface number one person in the company it just wasn't the timing wasn't right it, it people didn't buy into it like it just wasn't what it should have been they finally have a guy in drew mcintyre who i think you know you never know until you're in front of a live audience but the vibe that i get from fans is that they're like yeah no i like drew like that no, i like drew yeah you, i i think he's a great representative yes I think he's a great face for the franchise so to speak i i think he's doing an amazing job Probably the toughest job that a WWE champion has had to face. Oh yeah, with all with everything that's gone on since he since the Rumble. Yeah. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the job he's been able to do. Especially a new WWE champion. This guy has not been WWE champion before, and he's got to so figure good. out how to have so that good. that aggressive match with Brock in front of no one, and then figure out what does being WWE champion mean. And what does it mean when there's nobody here? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that that would be, yeah, that would be a, a, a twofold problem. Number one, all this amazing and the just wonderful work the WWE and Roman Reigns have done in building this perfect Roman Reigns character. Perfect. And number two, 
I feel like it would it would be terrible for Drew McIntyre and completely unfair. Sam, do you think, though, they may change their game plan due to the fact that there's not going to be a big fan presence there? Like, you know, because the, the, what you just set up, if there was 85,000 fans in attendance, that would be a WrestleMania moment. Knowing that there's not going to be a big fan presence, does that alter their game plan at all? You know, I think we've gotten I, it could. It certainly could. But I feel like we've gotten to a place where we can't we can't be in the mindset of saving stuff. Like I, I think that I think that early on that was a conversation. Well, let's save it for when there's a crowd. But I don't think that that can be part of the conversation anymore. When you've been mm. in this thing for a year, and I I see a light at the end of the tunnel. I think we're on the home stretch. But who knows how long the home stretch is actually going to last? And even after everybody's cool. And even after the vaccinations have gone out, who knows what kind of process you're going to have for getting tickets? Who knows how many people are going to feel comfortable in an arena or a stadium? I would think a lot of people, but who knows? So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I hope not is the real answer. Like, I, I, I hope that that's not what's in anybody's head in any wrestling promotion, because I don't think we're at a place where we can, if you've got it now, you have to understand that, your fan base is still watching and you're still responsible for entertaining the fan base and for keeping them watching. So just because you won't have that reaction doesn't mean you can't give that fan base good point. something that they're going to love it at, at home. It's because, a good point. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Cause you don't know how long this is going to take. Exactly. It's, it's an excellent point. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Dave LaGreca, it is an absolute pleasure talking wrestling with you. It's always so easy. Um, of course, everybody, I mean, I'm assuming everybody already does listen to Busted Open, but if you don't already, the rise of Busted Open is one of, if not the greatest untold stories of Sirius XM. They'll never give you any credit for it, but I oh, know. They'll never, they'll no. never give Mm-mm. you any credit, and they will never tell that story. They will not. I'll always know it. I, I watched Thank it. Thank you, Seth. I saw it, and I'll tell that story to anybody who will listen, because it's a... It's an amazing, inspiring story that should go in a book one day, but nobody at Sirius will write it. <laughs> no, but you know what? I thank them for the opportunity. Yes, yes. And they have, you know, and everybody at Fight Nation, I think, uh, has got has come around and really supports uh, Busted Open. I know you guys have done a lot of fun events on, on Zoom and, and figured out ways to do uh, interactive fan events, even with all this going on. But you can hear Dave with Bully Ray, Mark Henry and Tommy Dreamer. I mean, these aren't guests, okay? These are co-hosts. That's yeah, pretty cool. That's that's what an amazing show it is with with all kinds of guests uh, every morning on SiriusXM Fight Nations Fight Nation as well as the Busted Open podcast that's available. And um, you know, as 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 sick as I admittedly am of the conversation, is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? I still fell into watching the conversation between you and your brother on YouTube about you. uh, whether or not. And I, I actually went back and watched it. I, went, I was like, you know what? Before I land on this, let me give it a fresh watch just so I'm not biased. And Die Hard is not even remotely a Christmas movie. There is, it's, it's, it's it not has, even close. Not even, it's not even, it's a, that's, and I realized, that's why I'm so sick of the conversation. I think it's so, it's infuriating. It's a ridiculous comment it, by yeah. people. It's re, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's literally the only thing is that it happens to take place in late December. 
that's it. There, yeah. and, and by the way, the only reason, and this is why I'm glad I rewatched it, the only reason it takes place at Christmas time is not to make it a Christmas movie. It's so there's an excuse that the building is empty. That's it. That the, the building has the building has to be empty for the movie to work. And the only reason an office building would be empty is number one, a pandemic, which nobody realized, you know, you could just do a pandemic. And number yeah. two, it's Christmas. The only reason that movie takes place at Christmas is because the building has to be empty. And by the way, the only reason Die Hard 2 takes place at Christmas is because you need a crowded airport. And when is an airport more crowded than Christmas? Exactly. And and Sam, the biggest thing, it was released in the middle of July. <laughs> Who releases a Christmas movie in the middle of July? No one. No one. No one. No one. No. It's never happened and it never will. And it's and thank you for it's a, it's a LaGreca show uh, on YouTube. Don and Dave LaGreca. So I appreciate you watching that. That means yeah. a lot to me, Sam. Well, I like watching it because it's like it's like watching two brothers fight if the two brothers were also sports talk show hosts. Like <laughs> you, you guys, you guys sound like two brothers bickering, but you also sound like, you know, sports radio guys fighting with each other. And it's just like like there's that brotherly familiarity. But there's also the sort of verbose, like, you know, full of yourself thing that all of us radio people have uh, uh, that just bleeds through. And I think it's I think it's brilliant. I love it. Well, I'm glad that you look at pro wrestling like a sport. So that's well, you know what? I think I think that's what makes Busted Open unique is that I do feel like because of your background uh, specifically. But I also think that, you know, obviously bully. uh Mark and Tommy as well, but I I think because you have a background in sports radio, that you you cover it like a sports radio show, um, and I think that that's intentional. But I think it it separates it, and I also think it lends a seriousness and a credibility to pro wrestling and and a, and a reason to talk about it every morning. Well, thanks, Sam. Yeah. I, you know, you're somebody that uh, definitely like you talk about paving the way. You definitely were able to do that as well because. You said about my story, your story is amazing too. And, uh, you know, maybe one day they'll use Dave LaGreca and Sam Roberts to do some kind of seminar or something. Yeah. It'll never, know? we'll have to, we'll have to organize it ourselves. We'll do a couple <laughs> Ted talks for everybody. It'll never happen, but thank you, Dave LaGreca. It's always great. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.